All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Reuter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back in Edmonton. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrreuter.ca as we welcome in Cassie Campbell-Pascal from Hockey Night in Canada, Roger Sportsnet. Uh, good morning, Cassie. You're with Kevin Carius and Lori and Munzer. Welcome to Sports 1440. Well, thanks for having me. And Kevin, no offense to you, but I'm absolutely jacked to be on the radio with a fellow Olympian and Lorianne. So good morning. Or I, I'm, I'm in uh, Toronto right now, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think what time is it at home. It's probably, what, about 9 o'clock, 9 yeah. so... Um, yeah, no, I'm excited to be on the show. Well, I'll tell you what, Cassie, now that we've had, we've had several, like, um, you know, obviously Olympians and things like that on the, on the program, but this is the first time that three Olympic gold medals are on the show at the same time, two for you, one for Lorianne. So it's pretty neat, pretty neat to have you on. Good morning, yeah, Cassie. It's, uh, it's pretty fun. We, every once in a while we'll run into each other in an event and, uh, you know, it's just good to catch up and it's like. We're, we're bonded by that, so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, for sure. It was a long, 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 long time ago, but, uh, you know, still something I'm very proud of. So, Laurie, when's the last time you guys, you, uh, Canadian Hall of Fame as well? Yes. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, it would have been uh, Canada's Hall of Fame event, I believe, in Calgary, probably pre-COVID. Probably before COVID now, yeah. almost. Yeah, I think we were sitting also, too, in the Education Theatre, and doing the school talks, I was doing a presentation earlier in the day, and I know that you had come on in. You're always a, mm-hmm. a big part of the hall and always connecting with students in that. Yeah, I know it's a great spot, and Cheryl Bernard's done a good job yeah. just trying to keep it going and afloat, And um, but it's a beautiful spot if you get a chance to go there as a listener just to check out all the history of all the sports. Uh, you know, not just hockey, obviously, just so many great uh you know, historical lessons and great stories to, to read and interact with. And um, so it's a, it's a really good spot in Calgary. So it's so cool to have, you know, both you guys climb the top of the mountain here with, the, you know, winning Olympic gold. So just can you, uh, I'll let you go first, Cassie, just about the journey that it took you to get there on a team aspect. And then for Lorianne to do the same thing in an individual sport. So pretty neat to have uh, this kind of dynamic between the two of you on the show today. So go ahead, Cassie, and then, and then uh, Lorianne will pony off you. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's, it's, it was really unique. We, there was about 12 of us who went to the first ever Olympics for women's ice hockey and then continued on and we lost that first year and we were expected to win and I think we were motivated individually and as a group to change the color four years later and we were able to do that and um, you know then the program went on to have some great success and and then you know one of my favorite gold medals and no one talks about this so much for me because I was very much behind the scenes is I was with our last women's team as a consultant and you know, they, they'd gone through a stretch where they hadn't won and they, you know, just the U.S. was just so dominant. And, and you know, even at one point they, they got a bronze medal at the World Championship, which was the first time that had ever happened for us. And, you know, to be able to go back and, and be mad enough as a veteran and, and, you know, how can I help? How can I find a solution? And my teammate Gina Kingsbury was running the program at the time and, and uh, you know, I just said, hey, how can I help? And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, so... You know that was really special to me to watch that team grow and and learn and um, and I'm just so impressed with our young talent and our young leadership group and you know the great ambassadors they are for the game. So that to be honest with you, that one 
watching hmm. from outside not being an athlete was really special for me to watch a team grow because sometimes as an athlete you think it's growing and you think it's a certain way but when you're sort of a little bit on the outside it's it's uh it's a different perspective so you know i'm i'm fortunate enough that uh i've had different experiences and and you know maybe played on the best team canada ever in 2006 and um you know just it's just you grow as a group and you 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 argue you you push each other you um you know you love each other at the same time mm-hmm. so it's uh it's a special thing to do and and uh it's you know obviously a memory i'll have forever Lorian. Wow, that's really powerful hearing that. And when you said when you lost your first Olympics, you were out to change the color. And it made me think about my first Olympics was in Sydney, Australia in 2000. My event lasted 36 seconds. And I said when I got off the bike, I'm going to win a gold medal. So very similar parallels here. And just as an individual, yes, you're the only one that the spotlight is on you, but there is so much more behind you. There is a team, but it's more of an invisible team. And it's just, it's multiple years, lots of work putting in and just always that drive and that vision, just always holding that vision and always moving towards it. And so much work, right, Cassie? So much work that you have to put in. Yeah, I think people don't realize, you know, this, this stuff that goes on behind the scenes and, you know, especially in, in amateur sports, and, and, you know, we have a professional women's hockey league now, but we're really amateur, and often we don't get coverage until every four years, right, when the Olympics are on or maybe a world championship. And so, uh, you know, but it is really professional. It's really full-time, and we just don't necessarily get the full-time pay, although I was very fortunate playing in a sport in hockey where we were supported really well, and, and I was as an individual, so I feel a lot of gratitude in that sense. But it is a full-time commitment and even the staff behind the scenes you know a lot of them in the hockey world anyway they have full-time jobs elsewhere and then they they come on full-time in olympic year and they put their lives on hold and um you know it, it, you have to have a tremendous group of staff as Lorianne knows you know pushing you and and at the same time you know being there every minute every time you need something and um you know so it, it is really a full-time commitment and and I, to be honest with you, I feel fortunate to have played women's hockey full time. You know, yeah. that's nothing a lot of people, you know, my age or older can say. And, um, you know, so it's it's great to see the game growing. And I'm just so proud of the current athletes who I, I think are just amazing leaders and, and amazing ambassadors for our game. Cassie Campbell-Pascal from Hockey Night in Canada. Lorianne Munzer on Sports 1440. So, Cassie, who are some of the people that pushed you and helped you to kind of get in? I don't know if if you if the term pioneer of the women's game is, uh, you know, applicable here. But, I mean, you and Lorianne both, you know, when you came into your sport, are big reasons why, where the sport is, where it is today. So, but just uh, who helped you along the way to kind of get you to where you were on the uh, on the top of the level in women's hockey? You know, I think my parents, uh, you know, at first they weren't really supportive of me playing hockey. You know, my dad thought maybe I should play tennis. I could maybe make more money. <laughs> but, um, you know, it just wasn't a sport that little girls played. And But they, you know, they always supported me and I kept pushing them to play. And so, you know, they always had my back and they were always two people that I could go to. And, and I was very fortunate in that sense. You know, I had an older brother who pushed me whether we were on the ice or playing street hockey, you know, it always tried to, mm-hmm. you know, make it difficult for me. So that I think helped. And, you know, I was really fortunate at the University of Guelph in Ontario where I went to school. 
um, I almost quit hockey after my first year, to be honest. And mm. I was going to go play basketball. And uh, our coach, our, our university made a coaching change, and they brought in Sue Shear, who was the first ever captain in 1990 at the World Championship for Canada. And she became my coach. And she just brought the love of the game back for me. And ironically, that's the first year I, I made my World Championship team for Canada. So, you know, it's just a, a big influence for me and, and someone who – uh, was a real true pioneer of the game, you know, played before me and, and continued to give back. And I think that's where my generation really learned from, you know, those players in the early 90s that played that, you know, really had no recognition or no support. And yet we watched them continue to give back to the game, you know, for years later after their career. And she was a really big influence on me. She pushed me and, and she had honest conversations with me, but yet she was a real positive coach. And she really helped me get prepared for you know, what I was going to face at the national team camp. She would do mm-hmm. drills that we would see. And um, so I, I, I owe a lot to her. And, and, you know, she's someone that I always try and keep in touch with uh, when I get an opportunity to do so. I think when you were talking about Sue here, just the love of the game, bringing back the passion, how important is belief and culture, you know, especially with a team dynamic, how important is that for all players and performance and results? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And when I went back with the current team, they were extremely close. And we were extremely close as a group too, but we were extremely honest to each other. And and I think that's because you spend so much time and you need that honesty. You need that person to say, hey, we need you to be better today. And I think the current team, you know, that's what they were missing. They they were such good friends. They got along so well, but they were sort of missing that ability to walk up to each other and say, hey, I, I need more from you today. I need you to be better today. Um, and we talked a lot about, you know, being nice versus being kind. And, you know, being nice is great. And, of course, we all want to be nice. Um, but being kind is being real. And it's it, and it, it's important that, you know, to push each other, to help each other, to know that you have each other's backs. And, you know, we, we had a speaker come and talk about being kind versus being nice. And, and I thought that was a real change within our group, that it's okay to still be buddies and still be friends, but you have to push each other to get better. That's the only way we're going to get better as a group. And, you know, you could see once they started to get some success, then they started to understand that it's okay to push other people's buttons. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was a big thing for the, this current group, you know, leading up to the last Olympics was, you know, finding that balance of, of being kind. And, um, you know, the U.S. had been such a, a better team for a long time, and we had to sort of find every little detail to figure out how we could be better. And, you know, Gina Kingsbury and Troy Ryan, you know, they really led the way as our as our general manager and as our head coach and, and the culture that they established. I mean, these girls went through, women went through, you know, COVID together, and they became each other's families through that, and they – you know, they're going to be connected for life regardless because of the Olympic Games, but even more so just what they faced in that four-year cycle, which was the last Olympic cycle. Cassie Campbell-Pascal, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter on Sports 1440. So, Cassie, the Professional Women's Hockey League gets things going here in, well, a little over a month, I guess, but uh, I don't know. And you're in Calgary now. Do, do you feel like we – I kind of feel like we're left out here in the West because everything's out East and, you know, the, all the players are drafted from out, out there and we don't have a team out here. And there's so many great players, as you know, in Western Canada, but I guess, how do you see things getting off the ground here? 
Yeah, you know, I, I know the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames, they've always been so supportive of the women's game, and, and I see them being supportive in the future. I think, you know, like so many things, and I do live in Calgary, and I, I, I see girls hockey Calgary, and I see the numbers, you know, and, and you wish you'd have a team there, but I think we got to start in a more geographical, close-knit setting just from a travel perspective yeah. and a cost perspective. You know, I know we have a team in Minnesota, which is the farthest out west we're at at this point. But um, I, I do think we'll start to see some games come out west first, and then you never know, maybe three, four years down the road when things are, you know, the foundation is settled and, and everything's going good, that, you know, you might see some western teams. But um, I, I think it is a priority of the league at some point, maybe not necessarily in the first year or the second year, just as they, you know, they're getting their feet wet. But I think eventually to come out west and, and to, I'd be shocked if we didn't see a game yeah. at some point, you know, where the Oilers play, where the Flames play. And, um, it, you know, but I think it's baby steps to start, keep things, you know, as low cost as possible to start. And, you know, one thing I think that the league can learn is from the WNBA that really expanded so quickly um, and maybe wasn't quite ready from it from a talent pool perspective or a financial perspective. So we've been very fortunate, Jaina Hefford and her staff, that, She's had access to, you know, previous commissioners of the WNBA and, and the Major League Soccer for Women, and um, you know she she's you know really making sure that this grows in the in the right way in the right fashion. And um, I'm just looking forward to the the first day, January first, is when it's all going to get started. And um, it, you know I, I'm just so excited for these players, and and I, I'm just so excited for you know you talked about pioneers earlier yeah. that have been such a huge part of pushing the game year after year after year to get us to this point where our players and our staff you know the PWHL has almost 120 staff already you know and um you know that's something we've never had before we've never had that infrastructure so it's already starting off with you know a ton of check marks and mm-hmm. once you see the talent on the ice i think it's going to be super to watch and um i'm looking forward to so many announcements that are coming up here soon Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be wonderful to see and just stand by and watch how it goes unfolding. Are you involved with the PWHL like in terms of broadcasting? Because I know your focus, one of them, is the broadcasting. So can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, I I, I, uh, I know the broadcasting rights haven't been announced yet, but, uh, you know, definitely if, if Sportsnet's able to get that I would love to be involved um, you know I, as far as me being involved with the PWHL I, I see that probably in my near future it's you know been sort of a passion of mine and you know from being with the Canadian Women's Hockey League and the National Women's Hockey League and, and so many leagues that we've had in the past and you know I, I, I see myself in the future being part of it and without you know I, I'm always talking to Jaina and, and you know, helping her and connecting her with different people. And I feel like I'm already a part of it, but officially to be part of it, I, I see that happening in the near future. And, um, you know, and broadcasting wise, you know, whatever my, you know, I work with Sportsnet and ESPN, mm-hmm. it, whatever they need from me, I'd be more than happy to help. And, you know, we'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks with TV announcements and things like that. And, and we'll just kind of go from there. Cassie Campbell from Hockey Night in Canada and uh, Roger Sportsnet. And uh, we've got a sneaking Oilers question in here, Cass. And um, do you think we uh, have seen this team finally turn it around? We'll know tomorrow. Uh, Vegas is here after playing in Calgary tonight. But uh, what have you made of the Oilers, I guess, recent resurgence, I guess? 
You know, it, it obviously is a real scary start. Um, I think a lot of panic, and, and rightfully so. I, listen, I think they're a playoff team, and I think they're going to do damage in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I, I just think this team is too good, and mm-hmm. they've sort of had everything go wrong that could possibly go wrong to start with goaltending, defensive play, their stars not performing, which is like so unexplainable, not only unusual, but almost unexplainable to think, well, why is McDavid struggling? Why is Dreisaitl struggling? But, you know, one thing, I didn't watch the game live last night, but I, I watched uh, a lot of it this morning. And, you know, one thing you can tell is McDavid seems back. You know, he he seems to have that jump in his stride and the speed in his crossovers again that he didn't have earlier in the season. And, and we all anticipated that at some point he's going to tell us about an injury that he had. And, you know, Dreisaitl just, you know, that power play goal with the one-timer last night, that's just so him. And he was missing so many of those during early in the season. So, I really think they're back as a group. They're getting some depth scoring. I think, you know, defensively and goaltending is still a little bit of an Achilles heel, but I think it's something that continues to get better and better. And, um, you know, I think the more Skinner plays, the more comfortable he's going to get. Jack Campbell's starting to play better in Bakersfield, so that's a good sign. Um, you know, I, I, I have no doubt that the Oilers are going to make the playoffs, and, mm-hmm. and I just think, you know, they're too good of a team. And this early adversity, in my opinion, is going to help them in the long run with with some of the things that you face during the playoffs. Cassie, can't thank you enough for your time this morning. Uh, so you're on the, the panel tonight? Is it a double header yeah, for you? Yeah, we have Rogers Hometown yeah. Hockey. Or sorry, Rogers Hometown <laughs> Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Yeah. Um, well, I, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Rogers Monday Night Hockey tonight, we have Ottawa and Florida. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's always a real fun show. We just like to have a lot of fun in the panel. We don't take ourselves too mm-hmm. seriously. So, uh, hopefully, if uh, you guys get a chance, you can tune in, but uh, it'll be fun. So I'm in Toronto right now and back home to Calgary tomorrow. Well, we always will be watching tonight for sure. Thanks for your time. And while well, it was my honor to have, I guess, well, three gold medalists in the Olympics, uh, seven world championships. Am I right on that number? Well, I have eight if you eight. include the ones okay. with the, the current team. Eight? It, okay. Seven, well, eight, it doesn't it's matter. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> it's hard to keep track. And all of Lorianne's circuit wins, I can't, you know. The Duke he, the Duke of Delburn, our producer, he didn't even win his rec hockey game last night. So I don't even know what we can say anymore. Uh, we're just, we're out, we're outnumbered here, Cassie. That's for sure. Well, Kevin, Lorianne, it was great <laughs> talking to you guys. And I hope you guys have a great day. Okay, you too. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks, Cassie. All right. That's Cassie Campbell-Pascal from Hockey Night in Canada and our headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. We're just a couple minutes behind. we got to get Chris Cook on, a motivational speaker and an elevator game as well. And uh, Chris, if you haven't checked him out, go to ifican.ca. You'll be totally amazed. Chris will be with us uh, right after the break. Uh, Kevin Carey's Laurie Ann Munzer on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to elevate your game. Brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Unlock the potential of your residence with a home elevator or lift. You can learn more at TrustRam.com. And we welcome in an old friend and second appearance on Sports 40, Chris Cook. Chris, uh, welcome to Sports 40 once again. You're with Kevin Carey, Slorianne Munzer. Good morning, buddy. Good morning to you both. How are you doing today? Oh, just doing excellent, in fact. Excellent. Terrific. Uh, so, did you just you just got back from Philadelphia, that's correct? Uh, yeah, got back uh, got back into Alberta from Philly on Tuesday, I guess it would have been. All right. So, you were in Philly for another marathon. How did it go? What happened? 
Uh, absolutely went went really well. It was a uh, heck of a lot warmer this year than it was last year. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I decided to, at the at the coaxing of the race director, I decided to up the ante and I did a, a half marathon on the Saturday <laughs> and a full on the Sunday. What possessed you to do that, Chris? Uh, Two in a row. For punishment, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I like to keep pushing and, and I know... Uh, um, Kathleen Titus, who's the race director there, mm-hmm. she's, she she knew I would probably say yes. So when she dangled it in front of me, I thought, oh, okay, what the hell, let's go for it. Well, that would have been pure hell on your longboard, never mind your body as well. But what was it like to do a back-to-backer like that? Uh, obviously, you know, you're pretty tired, but yeah. uh, no, it felt good. I didn't, uh, I wasn't trying to break any land speed records on <laughs> on the on the half, and uh, and then also to a lot of times with me doing it on the board, um, it's tough to, to gain ground and get going too fast in some spots because it's clogged up with runners. <laughs> I start at the very, very back just for safety purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess for your listeners that aren't aware, or you've already made it more, I don't have any arms and legs, so I do my longboard on a, on a or I do my marathons on a, a longboard or a skateboard. So run us through, just again, give our listeners, and I think a lot of them know who you are, but just kind of give a little bit of a background in your story, Chris. Yeah, so born missing arms and legs. Uh, I guess visually I do have arms that would be about elbow length on both sides. And then uh, on my right side I have a partially developed leg, partially developed foot uh, that goes to about knee length, and that's what I use to to propel my longboard or or hop around if it's not longboardable uh, terrain. And then there's no leg on the left side at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've I've talked to you many times over the years, and I mean, you've been doing, you've gone all all around the world doing, you know, whatever if it's public speaking, whatever events. Uh, just again, let our listeners know exactly what you've been doing and where you go, and and kind of just spreading your your message about inspiration and things like that. Yeah, so the theme or the motto is, if I can, so the guy with the arms and legs can work on the farm, travel the world, do marathons. We're all capable of doing some pretty awesome and exceptional things. And, uh, you know, Lorianne winning gold in Athens is yeah. <laughs> is one of them. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's all that six inches of space between the ears. And I, you know, I've been lucky enough to go around and do presentations for various companies and, you know, conferences all around the world and, Doing marathons has been another good excuse to, to travel. So I've done them in you know, over in, I guess, Malaysia, mm-hmm. Iceland, Dubai, and then obviously around North America, Philly being the last one. Fantastic. So talk about working on the farm. I watched your TED Talk from 2018. It was fantastic. And I was thinking about this going, run us through a day or a week. What does that look like? Yeah, so I, I I do work on the farm and all the tractors, combines, sprayers, skid steers, hose, all that stuff. <laughs> you name it, I'm able to run just as is with uh, little to no alt- alterations or modifications. And uh, yeah, I guess you know my my day to day routine or week to week routine depends on whether I'm on the farm or yeah. on the road speaking. I'm on the road more often than I'm not. Uh, so a lot of hotels and, and stuff like that. So, you know, training for a marathon isn't exactly easy. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll just sneak into the stairwell at whatever hotel I'm staying at and, you know, do stairs for 20 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever the equal distance to the long run or whatever time I have available to me. So, um, and then, yeah, 
uh, the farming. I mean, it's a great balance, counterbalance to being in hotels and airports <laughs> and speaking in front of crowds, being on a combine or a tractor for a week or two or three or however much I can squeeze that in for <laughs> and uh, talk to absolutely nobody. Just drive. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Lorraine. Yeah. yeah, so you're doing all of these events, all of these activities. I'm curious, what else is on your bucket list that you want to accomplish? Um, well, actually, I was I was just thinking because you won gold in, in Athens, correct? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, Birthplace? I, I would love to do the the marathon in in Greece where the Ameri- where the marathon you know first originated I think that would be a cool bucket list item but you know just I, I love travel I got a buddy who's hit all 198 countries I don't know if I'll catch up to him but I'd sure love to try um, and just I don't know I'm all about collecting new experiences and raising the bar and, and challenging and pushing myself so you know things like skydiving or mm-hmm. be able to travel to Antarctica and say I've been to all seven continents in the world or you know I think it'd be even cool to try and see if I could convince the you know the para Paralympic committee to allow open up the marathon division to Mm -hmm. outside of just wheelchairs and I think it'd be so cool like you've done to represent Canada on the Paralympic stage. Yes. Yeah, that, I mean, that's I, I, you would think that maybe the Paralympic Society would kind of get on that. You would think uh, Chris Cook, motivational speaker, uh, down you're in Natton right now. Uh, I'm actually I snuck over to Kelowna last night. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> here for a couple of days and then back out uh, out east for some presentations. Okay. Um, where did you get your sense of humor from? I mean, if people have checked your check them out on Twitter or on the website uh, ifican.ca, you've you've sent some incredible posts that just make people they feel good about themselves. They laugh, they get a, a, a fuzzy feeling watching you do a lot of your things. Uh, you know, the one in the hotel room comes to mind. But where did you get all your your sense of humor and how you look at life from? Now, all my whole family and and whatnot are pretty pretty sick twisted individuals but my grandma <laughs> my grandma takes the cake um and i know i know what story you're you're fishing for yeah um the day i was born when my grandma found out i was born missing arms and legs her reaction was that my dad never finished anything he started <laughs> um so that really set the tone for it wasn't going to be pity and sympathy it was going to be you know laughs and a lot of fun and that one, uh, the video in the hotel room, that one's, that's just a, you just laugh. I laughed and I laughed, I laughed. And I mean, you're just, you, you just were just perfect trying to explain. And you had the video set up. I don't know. Was that on the first take or what? Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, it had to be on the first take because if I, uh, if I jump off the, that t- high TV stand and I miss the bed, um, well, you have a great outtake, but uh, yeah. no, it's one where, I think it was the best Western, and they have those huge, they're almost like an armoire TV yeah. stand, and the remote was on the top of that. So I climb up onto the chair and then up onto the desk beside the TV stand and then up onto the TV stand. And and then uh, rather than climb back down the way I came, I just supermaned across the room and onto the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just incredible. Uh, also, you're a big Oilers fan, Chris, as we're talking with Chris Cook. Uh <laughs> You were in the studio here with David Schlemko there. That was well, you know, that was the first week I think we were on the air basically. And we were yeah. talking talking a lot of hockey and things like that. So um I'm sure you're glad that the Oilers seem to be like they're that they're out of this little funk that they were in. Well, 
I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. I grew up in Southern Alberta. I know, I know. <laughs> you tried to sneak that one in there. I, I did, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a Flames fan. I know. However, I do love a good, healthy battle of Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to see that they, they have turned it around. And, uh, and also, too, yourself included, Kevin, Edmonton and area has treated me fantastic. Mm-hmm. I've been up in the Edmonton and area uh, doing presentations probably two, three times more often than I do down in, in Southern Alberta. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I can't, I can't rag on Edmonton too much. <laughs> and you know, I got a good buddy, uh, Rob Brown, he's a cop in town now, yeah. but he used to play for the, for the Eskimos or the Elks, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I love a good, healthy, you know, Raz in Edmonton, but you know, they've been amazing to me. You mm-hmm. guys have been amazing to me. Yeah. That's fantastic. So when you're doing a lot of the speaking events in that and traveling around, if you were to talk about your top three or most favorite three events, where were they? What were they about? Uh, top three events that I've spoke at? Oh, man, there's been so many. Um, actually, uh, just outside of Philly, Delaran, New Jersey, there's a couple of high schools that I spoke at there, and the kids were absolutely awesome. And it was just as we were getting back into in-person presentations after uh, after uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. And when I went and spoke out there, hung out in Philly for a couple of days, that's when I decided I needed to come back to Philly and, and do the marathon. Um, the people are great, and it's funny. For a city that prides themselves on being jerks as fans, <laughs> you know, as, as human beings on the street, uh, they're absolutely awesome. Um McBride, BC, uh, you know, just just straight west of Edmonton. There, what three hours, four hours? Um, they've had me in there like three or four different times, mm-hmm. and for a tiny little town, uh, which I grew up in Nanton, South of Calgary, so I appreciate small town. Uh, that one really sticks out for me. They, you know, showed me around, took me snowmobiling, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I guess, and these are in no particular order. Uh, Ohio State FFA in Columbus, Ohio Oof. was the largest group I ever spoke to. Yeah. Uh, that was 6,500 high school kids, so that was pretty cool. But wow. everyone has, has something special about it. And I'm not just saying that. I, yeah. you know, It doesn't matter if it's 6,500 high school kids in Columbus, Ohio, or a tiny little school in the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're great. Um, when are you making uh, your way back to this uh, part of the woods? I will be up there uh, in Lacombe, actually, for Pentagon Farm Equipment. Uh, January sixth okay. is going to be my next my next pass through through Edmonton. So we, uh, you and I, need to get together for a yes a beer at a hockey game or something. Like well, that. No, I was just going to say that. Uh, so try to work your schedule where you're going to maybe spend a night in Edmonton here, and then we'll we'll definitely make that happen. Sounds good. Hey, thanks for doing this, Chris. Pre- really appreciate your time. Uh, have fun in Kelowna. I, I, you're not going to any of those like wine tasting things, are you in Kelowna? No, no, I'm just uh, <laughs> just R and R. Sorry to let you down. But yeah, you're not a wine guy anyway. You're more of a beer guy, aren't you? Well, you know, I, I do. Having spent so much time here in Kelowna the last three years, I have gained a greater appreciation oh, okay. for wine. So I'm, I'm a little classier now. <laughs> yeah, first class all the way for sure. <laughs> 100%. Okay, thanks, Chris. Appreciate your time. Take care, man. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. And thank you, Lori. You guys have a great day. Yeah, you too, you bud. Too. Yeah, uh, that's Chris Cook, a motivational speaker and 
Well, that's talking talk about elevating your game. That is elevating your game. What he has accomplished, what he's been doing, all the the travel, the the speaking engagements. Uh, I mean, the marathons. How do you run? How, how do you uh, board a longboard a half marathon on the Friday and then do the marathon on a Sunday? It's just amazing. It's insane. He's, he's one of a kind. Check out his website if I can. Ca. Uh, if you need a, I mean, Lorianne does motivational speaking. Maybe the two of you can do an event together. That would be something. I'd love to. Wouldn't that with be him. cool? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, he's just he's one of a kind. Uh, so that was Elevate Your Game by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevator since 1987. Trustram.com. Two hours flew by again, Lorianne. We're gonna ba- we'll be back to wrap things up with uh, Lorianne Munzer on Sports fourteen forty right after the break. Top of the hour, we'll uh, check in. Uh, I guess at ten twenty, Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider, as uh, we will preview Monday Night Football. The Minnesota Vikings uh, taking on the Chicago Bears, and there there's a predicament that the Bears are in right now. What are they going to do? Keep a quarterback? Draft a quarterback? We'll be, uh, we'll be talking about that uh, later in that 10 o'clock hour. When we come back more with Laurie Ann Munzer, we'll discuss Jack Campbell's situation in Bakersfield with, I guess, kind of a personal coach. That's coming up right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, we're really going into the depths of the 80s with the monster Laurie Ann Munzer today. Another great song that you like. Oh, another one. The Line Duke. dancing that I just... Do not do so well. Did you uh, give Duke a little playlist uh, last night or something? That I think I'm going to have to upgrade it here. <laughs> Duke, what are you doing? <laughs> Wake I, up, Duke. I love that song. That's one, of my, all, that's, that's one of my all-time favorites. That's, yeah. From, that's, yeah, I guess that's a, that's a line dancing song. Or uh, I, I'm not a, like, I love dancing. Like Saturday night at Bar None, I was, uh, I was shredding up the Butterdome floor uh, to some Gord Bamford, but um, no. Just line, this last Saturday? This past Saturday, oh, wow. yeah, a couple nights ago. I was wow. uh, licking my wounds yesterday a little bit. Uh, really? Still from that. Oh, God, yeah. Oh. But but no, line dancing is not in... I, I, I don't care for it. Uh, to me, I don't get it. Like, mm. if, if you're in a... Like, dancing is, uh, like, an intimate endeavor. Chance to maybe... Uh, find a, a romantic partner for the evening. You're not going to do that line dancing. That's a solo endeavor. Mm-hmm. So uh, line dancing for me, pass. Getting uh, getting a partner, you know, they're spinning them around, dipping them nice and low. That's more my uh, up my alley. little Canadian merengue. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, text coming in, one 1440 uh, We were talking about uh, in our in and out Christmas music starting to play and when should it play, yada, yada. Wes says, I worked small town radio in the 80s. It totally ruined Christmas music for me. Probably just came on too early. That's that's the way it goes. Um, so, Oilers in action tomorrow and uh, Vegas is in town, but also uh, on the weekend, uh, Jack Campbell played for the Bakersfield Condors. The Condors lost uh, 4-2, I believe, to... Uh, Grant Fears team, Coachella Valley, 4-2. Campbell made 33 saves. <coughs> Excuse me, 33 saves. Uh, the fourth goal was an empty net goal. But um, also uh, we found out on the weekend that uh, Campbell has been, uh, he's brought in a, a friend, a coach, a mentor, all of the above in Manny Legacy to try to get him, help him get back on track. Loria and Munzer with um, I mean, and there's goaltending coaches down there. I mean, they, uh, you know, uh, Olivia Rodriguez's dad has been down there as well as a, a goaltending instructor, goaltending coach. 
within the Oilers organization. Um, how can this help Jack Campbell get his game back on track, having Manny Legacy join the Condors? I think Manny could really help him because sometimes having that familiarity, having that past history, Manny would obviously know what works, maybe what doesn't, can give him another perspective that he can really turn around the game. He could apply something. He can put together something, give him something different to focus on. And sometimes having an outside perspective can literally be a game changer. It's all going to depend on what Jack wants to do. It all depends on what Manny's seeing, what he would advise. And then it all depends on if Jack is, if it, if it sits well with him. So it's going to be a partnership right there. Prior to that game against uh, Coachella Valley, uh, Campbell had a 2 nothing shutout. Uh, next game is Wednesday, I believe, in uh, against the Henderson Silver Knights. So, I mean, they're going to let him run the ball with, you know, the playing time, and, I mean, the games are spaced out. How about the familiarity with uh, someone you worked with, mm-hmm. and that would be Manny Legacy? How much does that come into play here? Oh, it could be everything. It makes me think about... A couple times I had I had quit, got hurt, got injured, mm-hmm. ran out of money. And having that familiarity, having we, we've talked about this. One person in your court that maybe knows you a little bit better is like Cassie was talking about honesty earlier, is just sometimes you gotta suck it up and just take that feedback. And feedback is something you can use to elevate your game, elevate where you want to go, bring back some of the basics. And when we get too fancy, an outside perspective can really help you streamline that. And you got to work it together, but you also got to have those honest conversations. We had, uh, you know, texters text in last week, and I think even Duke had a, a question last week about how long or What's the process here about when or if or what Jack Campbell, what happens with him here? Um, How do you know? Okay, if you are Ken Holland, um, I would imagine that uh, Chris Knobloch doesn't know Jack Campbell too well at all because, I mean, Mm -hmm. this was all done, you know, he was sent down before Chris Knobloch became the Oilers head coach taking over for Jay Woodcroft. So, this, I would imagine, you know, so Keith Gretzky is, is going to be the point, point man on this. He, he's the, the, the GM of, of Bakersfield. So what's the, uh, the process of when they go, Jack is ready to be returned to the Oilers. And if they are wrong on this and he comes up here and doesn't play well at all, then he's done. I think there's a couple of things. You got to figure out what the timing is to say, yeah, you're coming back or no, you're not. And just thinking about Manny, sometimes one person can be that game changer, but it all comes down to Jack. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to what does Jack want? What does Jack believe he's capable of? And it's about bringing all of Jack out. So number one, you got to have a date 
of returning to the Oilers or not. And then it's about making a decision. Do I hang so, up my skates or am I going for it? So, okay, Lorianne Munzer, Kevin Carey, Sports 1440, uh, coming up to 10 o'clock in Edmonton. So Jack Campbell's been down there for a little over two weeks now. A little more than that, actually. So coming into three, yeah, coming into three. So he was—he's been down there, and he's also the first three games. He was very—he was poor. Then they had about—they had a five or five-day layoff, I believe. He came actually back to Edmonton, gathered some of his belongings because it, this happened on the road when he was sent down. But gathered some of his belongings, gets a little more acclimatized in Baco. Came back, now he has the 2 nothing shutout win. They lose 4-2, gives up three goals on, makes 33 saves against uh, against Coachella Valley. At what point do they do the Oilers staff, and this is, again, Keith Gretzky is going to be such a point man on this, you know, translating to Kenny Holland, that he's ready. Like, Jack Campbell's going to go, well, you're saying it's up to Jack. But how do they know that he's going to be ready to come up here and start a game and not play like he did before he was sent down? Or can you know? Part of it is the results. They don't lie. Okay. The other part is the intuition. The other part is the confidence factor. And can you repeat it? So let's just say he plays three, four, five games here in the next... Let's just go to the middle of December because, again, the Oilers' schedule, if Cal Pickard can pick up a start here and there, you know, right now the Oilers are going with – they. well, here's – Stu Skinner's playing tomorrow night, okay, and he's playing Thursday. The Oilers have five days off. So now you can rest – you know, Skinner's just fine until mid-December. Mm-hmm. So what if Jack Campbell gets recalled at some point in December – because he's had a half dozen great starts down there. Mm-hmm. Comes up here and doesn't play well. Now what? Then you have to have that hard talk. It's, it's sorry, bud. He's gone? Like, he, the, like, the, like if he has a bad start, like if he comes up here, gets a start, and lets in two or three softies, are you going right there at that point, sorry, Jack, you're done? With our organization, we'll hide you in the minors. We're going to do this. We'll buy you out. We're going to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Is that where we're at then? Or or is he, do you go, we're going to give him one more chance? But the, the Oilers don't have a lot of uh, chances here. The Oilers don't have time. And it's going to be, somebody's going to have to make the decision of timing. Is it one game? Is it two games? Is it three games? You got to make a decision. It's 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 a hard one. It's yeah. it's fair. So tomorrow again, this is this is the measuring stick. You've got Vegas coming in here. This is the team that beat you, sent you to the sidelines, and after that, it was dejection, devastation. You saw it on the players: Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. You know they're the copper bust thing. You know because we were so close, we lost two games uh, by surrendering three goals in the second period of game five, game six, all lapses, just lapses that cost them those two games. Okay. You know what happened between Dreisaitl and Petrangelo. So tomorrow's game, even though Vegas is on a back-to-back, which shouldn't matter. I mean, that teams are on back-to-back all the time, except for the Oilers, it seems. But so Vegas comes in here after a game tonight in Calgary. 
Where do you see this as a measuring stick for the Oilers tomorrow night? It's a new game. It's a new day tomorrow. And it's take the momentum, build off of the momentum from yesterday, last night, is they've already thought about it. They've already talked about it. It's just, it's a new day. It's a new game. It's one period. It's one play at a time. And you, well, can't, you, you I, can't let... I'm kind of getting at Lorian here, though. Okay, you beat Anaheim. Everyone's beating Anaheim now for fun, okay? Mm-hmm. You played on Black Friday, and you had a good game in Washington. Mm-hmm. Shut out. You played well. Everyone's going, well, Washington stunk. Well, whatever. You still, you dominated that game. After the seven-minute, eight-minute mark last night, you dominated Anaheim. This is Vegas coming in. It doesn't matter. They have to go out and do it again. It's a new day. It's a new game. It's a new play. But this is a team that is one of the best in the league. This is your measuring stick. Then they have to bring their AAA game to to play. Like, you got to do it like do or die. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, what's on the uh, what's on tap for the monster this week? What do you got cooking? What's going on? Week number two of spin, 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 indoor, winter, in winter indoor cycling. So, so we wh- do where do you do that at? Well, don't tell anybody. Oh. I'm, I'm in my basement. Oh, so okay. virtual background, so it looks ah. like I'm out on a beautiful beach in Greece, hanging out. That's what the peloton, right? That's what you see on those screens. Exactly, exactly. So live time, and we've got 75 minutes twice. Tuesday, Thursday night, and an hour on Saturday. Call it the power hour. And anyone hour. can join in. Absolutely. We've got a five-month so program. Work? Yeah. Um, connect through me. Connect yeah. with me through my website, lorianemunzer.com. Hey, did, did we get the thing Jumpin' Jack Flash? Did you get that Jumpin' I remember the name last week. If you find Jumpin' Jack Flash uh, from last week, he wants to, uh, uh, Lorianne's. Connect. Uh, yeah, he wants, remember that last week, Duke? Yeah. Yeah, and if anybody wants to connect, go to the website, click on the contact me. It goes into my uh, email there. Probably give me about 24 hours. I will be checking it now. And uh, yeah. So is it 75 minutes total? Like, I mean, Duke yeah. and I Duke and I were maybe seven minutes we could go. <laughs> I got you covered for the seven. So we do a proper warm-up, proper cool-down and stretch, and we've got about 40, 45 minutes of and this is all Perfect on your stationary work. bike. It is. You okay. can go to a gym. Okay. I have people that are joining in that do not own a road or a mountain bike hooked up to a wind trainer. Hmm. So they go to a gym, they get a bike, and it's all done via Zoom. So uh, <laughs> Duke, Duke is just hide. thinking, does my, does my stationary bike have a beer holder? <laughs> <laughs> and we play. We do some drills. Mm-hmm. I spent a number of years. Um, this is year number 36 for me. So I know how to play a lot of games, make the time go by really fast. I tell a lot of stories. We bring in some celebrities. Uh, we do a once- What celebrities are Who are you bringing in here? Oh, my goodness. We've had, um, oh, you're going to laugh with this one, the Muppets. Kermit the Frog shows up. Oh. Um, would love some guests. Would love to invite Cassie yes, to well, come in. Yeah. Hey, I think you and the Duke should be coming in. Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. <laughs> if you'd like to see a 28-year-old man die on live Zoom screen <laughs> trying to keep up with you guys on this bike, then I will happily do that. But uh, you'll have to come in and run the board for Kevin the next yeah. day because I will be deceased. Oh, mm. no. Oh, no. You know, it's really funny because a lot of people have a really interesting idea of how indoor cycling goes. Mm -hmm. I don't do bicep curls. I don't do squats. We ride. So if you and I are riding, we're training as if you would be on the road, except we're together. We start together. We finish together. Can I fake the amount of 
paddling that I'm doing? Like, is there, is, is there any way? But I will, but I can read, you know, the upper body movements of, oh. are you hitting the targets of Duke and I can fake that easily, easily. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love to play. And uh, yeah, there's some really good work periods. Let you know when the rest is coming up. And it's such a great group of people. We have from 30 years old to mid 70s. Wow. Yeah. And so 75. So anyone mm-hmm. wants to get in touch with uh, Lorianne, just give her a shout. Hop on the website. And uh, we got to get the, remember, uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash wanted to get in touch. So. Awesome. Lorianne, thanks, thanks uh, so much for coming in again on uh, Monday from 8 to 10. Good luck with uh, the spinner, spinner window. What do you call it? Spin window? Spin? Sure. Spin winter window? Is there a name for this thing or what? Virtual spin. Virtual spin. Less of a tongue twister. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good week. All right. You too. Have a great week. Uh, top of the hour, we'll uh, get to some of your texts. We've got a whole bunch coming in. one 401 Maybe a call if you want to call. Uh, same number. one 401 And we will also check in with uh, Matthew Collar from Purple Insider as Monday Night Football set for tonight in Minnesota. Vikings taking on the Chicago Bears. Uh, before all that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.